Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you breastfeed for 18 months after having a baby, you don't really get a period until after you've stopped. Ah, okay. You can't do both. Some people do, some people definitely don't. I think it depends, yeah. But it makes sense that if your milk was coming in again, that your periods would then go, no, can't do that as well. Yes. (laughs) Only leaking from one orifice at one time, please. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Not that it's all about me, but it kind of is. But I was looking at, um, it was the entry requirements for the New York Marathon. And I think Mm -hmm. it was that one, or it might have been another race, but it was definitely an American race. One subheading was lactation area. Isn't that weird? So I was like, do they mean the nipple? Yeah, I immediately thought as well of like anywhere that might be leaking milk at that time on your body. (laughs) In big parts of the US, that a cockroach is called mostly just a roach because generally speaking, they don't want to use the word cock. Cock, really? Yeah. That's one of my favourite words. It's a good one, isn't it? (laughs) Not wanting to mention a body part in something that's... But I did wonder if kind of not saying breastfeeding, which is, I'm sure, is the global term for what it is, not using that, but actually using this kind of scientific, you know... Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, please let us know. I'm I'm very intrigued by that. I wonder if it's anywhere near the sort of urination area or the defecation area. It's It's just piss shit and tits, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) stuff that comes out. Anyway, um... (laughs) welcome back to the Women's Running Podcast. Welcome to episode 158 of the Women's Running Podcast. I'm your host, Esther Newman, and she is your other host, Holly Taylor. We are both firmly average runners who don't take life or running too seriously. On this podcast, we talk about health, politics, stuff on TV, and what we ate last night. Occasionally, we talk about running. Small trigger warning, pregnancy, postnatal depression, and mental health. 
In this episode, we invite our friend and colleague, Kate Sellers, on to chat to us about pre- and postnatal training, as she's a PT and she's just had a baby. Perfect combo. She talks about the importance of core strength during pregnancy, something that's weirdly overlooked, and she talks through her training during her pregnancy. She also talks very honestly about her experiences with something called dysphoric milk ejection reflex. Before and after that, Holly and I chat about my marathon training using running apps and technical training runs. We also have chats about injuries, as I've got a couple of niggles, which obviously I'm a bit worried about. Importantly, though, we have some emails from you guys, which means we can revisit parakeets, running in the media, and the other sports are rubbish thing, which obviously we love. Plus, additional extra chat on the legend that is Bullseye. By the way, if you love this podcast, and of course you do, there is a way to get more Holly and Esther nonsense, and that's by becoming part of our pod squad on Patreon, where you can get involved in live Zoom calls with us, weekly newsletters, and a chat room all for you. If you're part of our cheer squad, you can watch these podcasts on actual video. Fancy that. Come and join us at Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com forward slash women's running. Now, let's get on with it. For the second half, it'd be good to do email. So if you've got any of those, because we've got quite a few nice I've ones. I've got loads, yeah. yeah. We've I'll, got a teacher who's one of them who's asked for a specific anonymous name. Oh, Because really? she doesn't want any of her students to hear it. Yeah, oh, so. <laughs> As if any young people listen to this. I know, I know. Um, yeah, go on. What was So you were going to tell so, me about your weekend. Yeah, all I was going to say, so Esther and I have been just talking about I don't really know whether to like go into this on the podcast. I don't want to get sued for libel. And I also don't want to um, <laughs> like, I don't want to bring up beef again. But um, I, I've i been doing this therapy at the moment. I've, I really found it helpful to start with. And now it's starting to get to a bit of a point where I haven't got very many sessions left. And I'm kind of looking back and I'm like, what have I really learned? And I'm not mm. feeling very confident about what's going to happen when... I move away from it, you know, um, mm. and uh, the therapist is really nice and she might listen to this. So I don't know if she's nice. That's uh, that's all I'll say on that. Um, and uh, but she basically we had a bit of a dispute. I literally had to enter a dispute with the um, like provider, the wider branch of who connects you up with the therapist because I cancelled a session and they were like, well, I rescheduled a session and then it counted as like a cancellation thing and I got charged a hundred quid and we were just talking about the fact that I know that, that, you know, of course therapy shouldn't be provided. Well, but I appreciate that therapists need to be compensated for their time. It's a, it's a, you know, hugely valuable skill and it's difficult and it's draining. And uh, so I'm not for a second saying that, you know, we should all, they should just go, oh, don't worry about it. Like, I understand you're stressed. So just mm. don't, don't pay me for this, which I would do if I was a therapist, because that's what <laughs> I'm like. Um, but um, yeah, it is such a weird paradox that like, one of the huge anxiety factors has been this dispute that I've been in with the company and the fact that I've had this big fee mm. and how expensive it all is. And I can't really talk to my therapist about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit awkward. Well, 
You you have us. You can talk to us instead. Mm. <laughs> Thank you all for always being the to be honest, I do feel like I've I've got more out of talking about all of this stuff on the podcast and with the patrons and stuff than I really have in the sessions. But it hey. is a form of therapy, isn't it? I yeah. feel quite cheeky. It's lovely though. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And I really hope that other people feel the same. Like if you're in the Discord mm. group or please, let's just unload on each other all the time in a very yeah. unhealthy way. Yes, we should. Um, can I be absolutely fucking mental at this point in time? Yes. How's your running going? (sighs) (laughs) Look at that little face. I know. Uh, I'm trying to remember whether I've actually run since I last spoke to you. And I don't think I have because we recorded Mm -hmm. our last podcast at the end of the week. We did. And I've been away in London for the weekend. So I haven't, I didn't run while I was there. Um, but in terms of my motivation for it. I'm feeling quite good about it. I've got my runs planned in for this week and I'm feeling all right about them. I'm feeling, um, I don't know, I'm feeling like I'm ready to get back into a bit of a slightly bit, a kind of slight bit more of discipline and feeling a little bit more um, routine-y mm-hmm. because I feel like I've been struggling to kind of find that routine again since coming back from holiday and any exercise or running that I've done has been quite sporadic. Um, but, um, yes, I've got a 10 K training plan now for the V 10 K and I really do need to crack on and get it sorted. So, um, how does it look that training plan? Does it look scary or does it look okay? Uh, no, it looks okay. You were right. I think it surprised yeah. me actually how much, because distance is usually what frightens me maybe more than anything else. Fair enough. Yeah. And I, I've never done a 10 K training plan before. I've only ever done halves and it, the idea of starting a half marathon training plan halfway through which I have done before um and it was fine it was always fine but like it can feel very intimidating coming in and doing like a six mile run or something when you haven't done more than a 5k in quite a long time um so it looks okay and it's fine I think it's like three miles or something for my long run this weekend so it that's that's something that I'm feeling quite comfortable with at the moment so it should be fine um cool yeah, I think it's all going to be okay. I just feel a little bit, um, I think if I have any stress or like anxiety around it, it's just the fact that I felt like I was ticking off the couch to 5k stuff. And that felt like a really nice therapeutic thing that yeah. I was doing. But that's something that I can come back to. I know you said that Kate, who we're actually, I believe we are. will be in, it will be in the studio today. Um, <laughs> Uh, she said before as well that with, you know, with pregnancy and with um, returning to running after that and stuff that she's mm. dipped in and out. And I know that it will be fine. I think I just feel a bit, dis- even though I know that it's because I'm doing something that technically is kind of a bigger feat. Mm. I really in my brain was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to have no excuse because I've literally got somebody in my ear telling me what to do and I'm going to crack on and get it done. And I'm going to see every run with a lovely big gold tick next to it. And the fact that I'm just kind of leaving it halfway done is making me a bit like, oh, but I'll pick it back up again and it'll be fine. Yeah, do, do, because it's lovely to get that little rush of kind of happiness of of ticking stuff off. This is why Mm. I write so many lists, but I think the... um, and I, I know anecdotally from people that have written in 
to women's running that people have gone back to couch to 5k countless times countless because of the sanctuary of it the safety of it and they know it works yeah so yeah you you definitely go back to it afterwards if you fancy it it'll probably be really nice to go back to it afterwards actually thinking about that from a training perspective because if I've done about half of those runs then um and I, I then go and do a 10K training plan and we do the Vitality 10K. Picking back up from halfway is not going to be like picking up from halfway on a training plan when you have been doing less or you've not been running. Yeah, That's exactly. going to be, I'm going to, it's going to feel like hopefully a nice step down maybe a little bit in terms of intensity, but we'll keep it ticking mm-hmm. over once I've completed the goal of the Vitality 10,000. I keep calling it 10K. I know. Vitality 10,000. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it will. I think yeah, it'll be it'll be a, a comfortable place to return to afterwards. So yeah, be, yeah, it'd be great for you. I think yeah. it will. But I'm looking forward to feeling. You know, when you like peaks and troughs, peaks and troughs. Everything in, but everything in moderation. And I had Absolutely. a lush weekend, but it was really boozy. So I'm looking forward to a bit more of a chill, a chill week now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it nice to not drink when you've been? Oh when my God, <laughs> so much. I came back. I never like, thought with, I'd be that person, but I I love it now. Oh my God. So we had, uh, so after that two week holiday, it, what the first week was sort of, there were a couple of boozy nights, but it wasn't kind of intense. And there were, we had a few nights off and stuff. Um, but the second week was intensely boozy. My family are very boozy as discussed. And, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like Monday Monday to Friday, every single night. I mean, it wasn't like yes. absolutely shit-faced booziness. No, it no. Was definitely three glasses of wine, maybe four, maybe five. It was just, it was, yeah. I mean, actually, that sounds oh, that's, like my, actually, now I say it. <laughs> oh, don't <laughs> worry. Awful. That was, that's the, the same with my family when we go on holiday. And like, it is, it's, it's really nice, I will admit. Not for everybody. And I know we've got mm. some people who listen who are sober. We've got like a wide range of drinking habits in our podcast listeners so you know do whatever feels right but um I I do quite like for a treat like yeah when you're on your holly bobs or when you go like we were staying with my brother and sister-in-law this weekend and it was just so we just got so overexcited to see each other and it was so nice that like Mm. having a few nights where you do that where you're not like going out binge drinking Mm. like tequila shots dancing level drunk but you're like yeah your interesting conversation or argument over a board game drunk that's my absolute happy place right so I I love that (laughs) if if I can be drinking a glass of something chilled whilst playing Yahtzee I am yes me too super happy (laughs) so good (laughs) I love it but also then I know that tied up in that is the kind of is that sort of middle class acceptance of of drinking booze and you know it was the light being switched on at six o'clock right now you can start drinking and it meant that by kind of day three of that holiday start looking forward to it like a lot looking forward to it and then you kind of realize how the habit the bad habit can really creep in so fast it does take hold so fast really does yeah yeah so it meant that when when I came back and we've had we then had over a week off of not drinking at all the joy of that, the absolute joy of 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 watching Ted Lasso with a cup of chamomile tea and stuff yeah. like that, and then knowing that you're going to be drinking, you know, 
that's that's you're, you're going to be hydrated, that you'll sleep all right, that you'll wake up feeling okay, that you know everything is suddenly so much easier. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the balance between being. I mean, and we all have to find. Well, again, saying this, not everyone has to find it, but I, my quest is to find the balance between being a uh, a a lovely, cozy granny who's mm. got like sewing stuff in a box of Quality Street or whatever. Yeah. And being an absolute boozy legend. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, it's my quest to find that balance in my late Find 20s. the balance. Yeah. Find the balance. I think it's being a boozy legend, but without the kind of resultant anxiety and and horror that happens yeah. in its kind of wake, isn't it? So, it's, which... it's very difficult, isn't it? The anxiety is, is the biggest thing. And I was kind of dreading that. I mean, absolute fingers crossed. Mm. I did have a bit of it last night, actually, but I've... I've I've taught myself down quite well but um usually that's it really hits me after like days in a row because like you said yeah. if you've got that thing of like if you know you're going to have another day of drinking the next day so you've got six o'clock we're going to crack on or like I mean like on Sunday I was seeing a friend for we haven't seen each other for two years and we met up for a roast and mm. it turned out to be a roast and four pints and we just stayed there till like 6 p.m <laughs> So like it doesn't even have to be sick sometimes. But if you know that you're going to be drinking the next day, then it kind of staves off that anxiety. Like yeah. physical stuff with a hangover, you might not be able to do that with so much. But mental stuff, I think you can really just suppress and push it down. And then it, for me, it always comes back to bite when I do stop drinking again and I'm like, okay, let's have a few restful days. That's when it always goes a little bit south. Last night was a little bit rubbish and I kind of knew that it would be because we'd come back from a lovely weekend um and um it will be okay over the next few days but I'm also slightly bracing myself for the fact that if it's not and if I feel a little bit jittery everything's fine mm. I wonder do you know I wonder if that because I know there's apps out there where you can you can pop in the, like the number of units you've drunk and stuff like that but I wonder if there is there a, like an app out there that kind of because you know I want an app that does absolutely everything kind of health wise and stuff but is there an app that that kind of folds in like alcohol consumption and um things like uh blood pressure and heart rate and um mm. and and feel and stuff like that because i'd i'd love to tie that into kind of also i'd love it if it can suddenly if if it came up on like garmin connect like you could put in like because i because i'm sure that it would then feed into things like well maybe it does i don't know maybe, maybe you know it might feed into like hrv status and yeah um, you know that it does know. that um training readiness thing now in the new garments yeah i bet it would be like oh you've had this many units of alcohol the night before so run later in the day the next day or run or move your yeah. run or whatever and I mean, if it's not there, it must be soon. Like that, that at some point you you breathe into your phone, and it 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 is able to take a kind of breathalyzed report of how you are. Yeah. And like no, still pissed, Esther. Please do not run. You know, do you worry kind of a little bit though about those <laughs> things? Just I I know that's not what they're designed to do, but sometimes I feel like those things are just screaming piece of shit, piece of shit at me all the time. <laughs> yes, always, like, always. Tell me, because you've been having that a little bit with your Garmin, right? Well, I've been, not that it's been telling you you're a piece of shit, it's been telling you that you're great, but <laughs> it's been telling you a lot over your last few runs, judging by I've, Instagram. I've been having some 
some conversations with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think it's more to do with the fact that I've now linked in my Garmin with Runner, the Runner app, R-U-N-N-A. Oh, yeah. Um, in order to prep for the New York Marathon, which is coming <gasps> up in November. So exciting. Ah, exciting and absolutely terrifying. And um, so I'm on like week four or five, I can't remember now, of my training plan. And it's like a 16-week training plan. And um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's really good. So you link it up to, you can link it up to your Garmin. I'm sure you can link it up to other sort of bits and pieces and devices and stuff, but this is the way that I, I'm doing it, which means that when I press the run button in the morning, when I go for a run, it will say, do you want to do this workout, which is the runner workout. And I, I will then press yes, which I normally press no. I normally press ignore and just do nice. my own I like bang, that you right? can do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can. Um, so I press yes. And then it will kind of guide me. I haven't, I'm still kind of clunking around. I haven't quite figured it out properly to kind of tell me through my earphones. It's telling me through my watch. Anyway, to guide me on um, like interval splits and pace and stuff like that for the duration of the thing. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, it will give me some kind of reports back on that, which was kind of what I was putting on Instagram. And I think that's mostly... That's a runner report, not a Garmin report. It just comes through Garmin. So Garmin is the messenger. Okay. You shall not shoot in this instance. Um, and I won't even shoot runner because it was also me trying to get mm. to grips with going on a guided run. So even though I'm on week, four, to take it back a couple of steps, even though I'm on like week four, for the first three weeks of this, I have been sort of ignoring runner. So what I've been doing is I've, I've had like my runner thing, which I signed up for, for like a marathon training plan. I had a Laura Fountain one, and which you can easily find on womensrunning.co.uk. Um, very nice. Lovely. Thing Thank, you. Thank you. Um, which I'd printed out and put on my fridge. And I also had my training plan from last time I trained for a marathon. And I was just like, you know, keying them up. I had all three of them and I was just, for mostly it's less to do with the ones in the week. It was just kind of trying to figure out what my long run should be. Uh, you know, using those three different plans and making sure that it fit with what I was doing and fit with holidays and stuff like that. So I've been doing that, but I haven't really, although I've been doing the quantity of running that I should be doing, I haven't done the technical stuff. So it's only last week that I thought, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I will press the, yeah, okay, I'll go on that run then. Um, and it was really fucking hard. Oh, it was really that wasn't what hard. I wanted to hear because I've been kind of ignoring it as well. But there is some um, technical running in my training plan as well. Oh, oh God, it was just so. What well, did you have to do? Well, there were. So I I've signed up to do four runs a week. So one is your long run, and then they put in an easy run. So so you're kind of you have a recovery run. Like the fo- for me, it's the following day, and then. I've got two more runs in the week and those two runs are both kind of technically things. And what, so what I used to do before the way, the way that I've managed marathon training before is to ensure that one run a week, this is the Esther training plan. Please don't follow this, uh, uses any kind of guidance that one run a week, I would do what I would call hills. I'm doing air quotes because it's not really, is. Yeah, mm, thanks. Um, there's a, there's a, a, a kind of a square, um, just down the road from me, which is, has an ever so slight incline. And essentially I run around it like 10 times and, um, and it does, you know, it hurts and stuff, but that's what I consider my 
hill training and I would consider oh, yeah. that mine is like I have a bit of a hill at the bottom of my lane it is actually the hill that we ran up at the bath end of the bath half which that, that's quite a significant hill that actually, is to be fair. significant hill but then I suppose when I'm doing it it doesn't feel quite as significant because I haven't already run 13 miles when I've got to it um though obviously disclaimer they've listened they've heard they're not doing it again uh so no beef with the bath half there but we had we had beef with them last year but um, we did. but that's what I usually do and I literally just go up it like I don't know well depending on the week so when I've done it before as part of a training plan like I've started with like two or three times I'll go up and down and then mm-hmm. as I've upped it usually I end up getting to about five before I'm like absolutely fuck this and I never do it again yeah I, I think that's fair enough it's a steep yeah it's a steep hill yeah um and like the hill that I usually was doing my kind of interval kind of hill training on is not as steep and it's not as long either. So, you know, that's, that's what I was doing anyway. And then occasionally what I would do to mix it up a bit in the, in the, in the old days, in the, in the bad times, I would go for my normal run, which includes a bit of canal. And because it involves a bit of canal, about maybe about a mile, mile and a half of canal. If I was doing like a, like a 5k it's about a mile and a half that's just on the canal, which obviously, because it's a canal, it's flat, right? Yeah. So what I would do is just run that little bit faster on the flat bit. That was the 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 whole of all of my interval training and my technical training. That's that's it, like full stop. So to then move to runner and use their technical training, which actually is technical, it was it was just like, oh fuck. And and it it also kind of gives you pace. So the two runs have I done I've done two technical runs with them so far yeah. and one was one was short intervals and one was longer intervals but it was basically the same kind of pacing throughout and the first one particularly I found really really hard even though the fastest pace on there was the pace at which I have run a half marathon isn't that awful isn't that weird really yeah so yeah. why? Why does it is, it, is it a psychological thing, do you think, that we're like, oh, this, this is a fast run, this is a, and that makes it feel so much worse than it is? I was definitely more nervous about doing that run than, than, because normally I wake up, even if I'm waking up super early to go for these yeah. runs, normally half six in the morning, go for a run. And I really look forward to it because I'm just normally plodding. Yeah. And I must admit, I was, I was looking forward to it, but I was nervous. So I think there might have been that. Um, I am older yeah. than that fast half marathon, like two years older. So I think that might have something to do with it. And I'm obviously not as trained as well as I was. I wasn't trained then. Um, I don't know. But then I did I did put that on Instagram and, I, and someone did respond saying, actually trying to run at, at that pace, you know, that is quite common to feel a bit shit so I found it really hard and then again that the other one which had longer intervals so I had to run so for the first one I think I was running two minute intervals at that pace and for the second one for the second one it was um for a kilometer so a kilometer at that pace which I don't like these all sound really quite hard and a bit horrible no offense to runner well happily for the thing is is what you're doing in runner is you you have to be completely honest when you sign up to runner so runner is not going to make for instance you do kilometer repeats like I was doing on Thursday yeah 
because I was training for a marathon and I'd put in how much I was willing to do during a week and and what I want to get out of it. Okay. If we are both honest at the beginning of this training block and we say, this is what we want to do and this is what we're going to get out of it. And this is our end goal. As long as you're not putting in that you want to run a 30 minute 10K, mm. you're not going to be doing anything that's out of your comfort zone. No, thank you. Okay. Right. I can just so- about manage a 30 minute 5K. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've already want to go back into, I've, I am considering going back into the app and changing my settings slightly because I think I've put in that I want to do a four and a half hour marathon because both of my last two have been within spitting distance of that. And I am now thinking, mm, I might change that to 440 yeah. to, to just give myself a bit of a fucking break. Um, because I just, I just, I am finding that really hard. The other thing is that I noticed that picking up the pace has really kind of irritated a niggle that I've got in my knee. Then, um, yeah, you're definitely making the right call there because only you know at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. Like runner can't <clears throat> tell how you're feeling. And yeah. Well, I am, I am so, I, I am, I must admit, that is one thing I'm, I'm now so worried about is, is what I'm going to carry on calling the niggle okay. because if I call it the I word, then it starts Let's getting... call it a name and it can be fr- a friendly name so that you don't feel frightened of it. Let's call okay. it, I don't I'm know, actually, what do you want to call it? Well, I, I want to call it Nigel. Okay. okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I'm no, no, imagining... I'm... Hang on, hang on. No, back, 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 back away. No, my, my friend's husband's called Nigel. That's really weird. Um, I was thinking of Nigel Thornbury. Did you touch the wild, the wild Thornberries? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll quickly find you a picture of Nigel Thornbury while you think of another name. <laughs> I was trying to think of something alliterative because it's my knee. Um, so, but I'm not going to call it Nigel because that is my friend's husband. So I'm going to call it Neil. I've got a lovely friend called Neil. There we go, Neil. I'm okay, call Neil, it that. that's nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've got a picture of Nigel Thornbury for you. Oh, I've just opened oh. a YouTube video all about him. Hang on. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I can't see. Oh, him. Can you oh, not? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the picture. Yeah. I have no idea what that is. Uh, it was this pro. It was this. It... <laughs> I'm so sorry. It was this show called <laughs> The Wild Thornbreeze. And uh, it basically, it was about a, a little girl. Who, it was kind of Rugrats era. Gotcha. It does In look fact, like Rugrats. Yeah. I think there might have been a crossover um, thing where the Rugrats. And the and the wild thornberries met, um, but uh, yeah, but um, it was about this little girl who could speak to animals, um, and her dad was Nigel Thornberry. Uh, I've just seen yeah. apparently Sir Nigel Thornberry. That was the name. Oh, of his seriously? Character. Yeah. So he's a knight of the realm, um, hmm. and uh, and he was like an explorer or something. Anyway, what a load of bollocks. Sorry, I loved that. <laughs> I loved it though. There was a film version of it as well. Where I think she might have given up her powers at the end to save somebody or something. Well, you yeah. had it here first. Big spoiler. Big spoiler. Um, the Wild Thornberry's <laughs> movie. <laughs> Sorry, not that it came out about 23 years ago or something. But I loved that when I was a child. Um, so, anyway, you're going to call yeah, it Clive. Um, no, Are you? Neil. 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 Sorry, I don't know where that from, came Fox from. Six. I was distracted by Nigel Thornberry. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Neil 
And we're going to keep an eye on on it and see. Where is it, by the way? It's my knee. I was being alliterative. I was going to say that. It's my right knee. um, And I've got, do you know what? I tell you what, should we go and speak to Kate and then I will wang on about it afterwards? I think that sounds good. Let's go and chat to Kate, um, who is our lovely colleague. We did say that we would introduce her a little bit, I think, didn't we? She's Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. She's our lovely colleague. Uh, She's the senior digital executive. I think that's her job title. That sounds um, posh, doesn't it? It does sound posh uh, <laughs> at Women's Running. And she is also a PT, a yoga instructor, a genius. Mm, all um, those things. All those things. And she's just had a gorgeous baby boy. So she's going to be talking. We actually ended up having a very long chat. So I think we're going to have two guest appearances from Kate. Um, we are. And today, I think she's talking a little bit about... Um, her pregnancy journey basically so if you're not interested in that then skip forward but it was a lovely chat she's so knowledgeable and it is brilliant it's time it's time for a woman very very wise lovely she's wise <laughs> Hol, haven't you always dreamt of crossing that iconic finish line on the mall with Buckingham Palace behind you and a well-earned medal in your grasp? Well, of course, but the 26.2 miles that you've got to run before you get there, not so much. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm not talking about the London Marathon. Did you know that the London Vitality 10,000 finishes on the exact same mile? You can have the same final victory lap without having to run a marathon. As if. Isn't running a 10k still going to be a little bit tricky? I, I think 10k runners are meant to be of the speedy variety. Well, yeah, that's true. Some of them are. But if you join our very own Women's Running Wave, we'll be setting off right at the back without any time pressure whatsoever. There will be space for speedy runners and slow plodders alike. Plus, we'll be starting the race together and supporting each other all the way round. Well, 100% sign me up. And also, quick request, can we have a cold glass of Savvy B afterwards? Oh, most definitely. And not only that, but we'll also be meeting up beforehand in our own special women's running zone where we can all do a little excited wee in our pants together. Sounds bloody brilliant. Head to vitalitylondon10,000.co.uk today and select the Women's Running Wave when you sign up to run with us, as well as hundreds of other brilliant women. Link in the show notes. Yeah. Anyway, should we, um, what do you think? Should we talk about maybe some stuff? What should we begin with? I'm presuming in a future world, future versions of me and Esther are going to have introduced this conversation some. <laughs> I, I, I hope they do. I love those people if they do that. Yeah, that would be amazing. We're Much great. more entertainment value for the listener. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we don't need to do, do too much more of saying who you are, but just for the list, in case you skipped forward, in case you <laughs> didn't pay any attention to the earlier chunk of the episode, Bits. here we are with our gorgeous Kate, who we've missed with all of our hearts while she's oh, been on maternity leave. Yeah. Hi, I'm great. back. She's back. <laughs> this is one of my official keeping in touch days, which I'm yes. very much enjoying. Yes, if touch. HMRC are listening, this is all fine. <laughs> yeah, it's all above yeah. board. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, 
yeah well I was just thinking about the last time I was on which um obviously it's not exactly a year ago but it's not too far off and that's so strange for me because it almost feels like yesterday in terms of my work life it feels like that happened last week um yeah. my brain's kind of separated the two which is very interesting but but, but yeah. your non-work work life obviously that's been yes. a, a long <laughs> long time yes. and you've kind of been busy and you've kind of been doing some stuff yes like procreating yeah procreating um, that's mm-hmm. actually life creating a person yeah, yeah. <laughs> being All a sacred that. vessel <laughs> busy, oh dear lord busy, busy. Yeah. <laughs> something um, like that yeah so, I mean obviously uh, you know, it's the Women's Running Podcast. We talk about loads of women's health stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And we thought, ah, oh, not only are you an amazing person on our team, but you've been through this massive experience and you're a PT. Yes. So we can ask you all these questions about what it's like, like being pregnant and training and, you know, whether you did or you didn't and what it was like kind of afterwards. Because we get lots of emails from people saying, should I, shouldn't I? Yes. Um, how much should I do? Should I change my training? Um, can you run when you're pregnant? All that kind of stuff. So we, we've got all of those questions mm. that yes. we want to ask you. Because, yeah, yeah. So like, I guess just to begin with, like when you, when you knew you were pregnant and bearing in mind you are like, you're a super fit person, you do loads of stuff. Um, like what, what did you do? Did you adapt anything? Did you change anything? Yes, well, I think um, I think I did touch on this last time as well. So, so when you when you find out you're pregnant, and I straight away got on the Google, and I was like, oh gosh, do I need to change anything? And they say in the first trimester you don't need to change anything. Um, they're like, carry on exactly as you were before, which um, is really hard when you're vomiting and <laughs> feeling sick mm. all day. So, yeah. um, I didn't necessarily mean to adapt anything. Um, but I did. I basically stopped everything because I was so unwell. I had, I had really bad, um, well, I say really bad. I know some people don't have any of it worse, but I had very bad nausea um, kind of all day. Um, and yeah, it really, I struggled to eat. And obviously if you're not eating um, and you feel sick, you're not doing any exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of what actually one can do, sorry, can do, um, I understand that it's pretty much what you feel good doing. And that's kind of the the key all the way through to be completely honest now I've sort of been through it and come out the other side mm. um I felt a lot of uh kind of pressure from social media to either be doing everything because obviously there's these amazing women out there who are pregnant um and and doing everything that they would normally do and and kind of rocking it um but then also quite a lot of pressure from people to not be doing anything like all oh, careful you don't want to be doing that and yeah. oh, you don't want to be doing this and you don't want to be twisting and you don't want to be there was lots of conflicting advice um but yes generally um my advice as a personal trainer um is to yeah kind of move how you feel um especially early on you don't need to change as much as you maybe think you do um your body the baby is so so teeny tiny that yeah you can still you can do yoga you can do twists you can do arm balances if you want to you can do burpees you can do kind of anything but just obviously being mindful of the area um and mm-hmm. trying not to bump your tummy too much um and then yeah as you go things kind of change depending on what happens to you in your pregnancy and what happens to your body I definitely I saw that happening um when you're talking about that conflicting advice sort of thing um I don't know if you follow Gemma Atkinson on yes. Instagram yeah and she was uh, they she's recently had a baby and 
Um, and she's mega into her fitness. So she's always quite a joy to watch. She's always a really nice person. Um, and she was filming videos of herself doing workouts and stuff in her kind of home gym, right up to kind of really close to, to popping, I think. Um, and she got trolled mercilessly, really? like horribly yeah. by loads of women just saying, you shouldn't be doing that. That's dangerous. Yeah. And she had to put out loads of messages going, uh, it's, I'm not like jumping up and down here, guys. I'm doing what I feel comfortable with. And, you know. Well, this is the thing. I know, yeah, but someone who, uh, so I follow, um, she's an influencer called Carly Rowena. She she did CrossFit all the way through her pregnancy when it was a few years ago now. And yeah, she literally got women telling her that she was she was going to kill her baby by doing this exercise, which is awful. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely awful. Also, not true, unless there's a very maybe specific set of circumstances. So obviously, if a doctor has said to you, don't do this yeah. um, then, then that's that's something else but yeah. for your kind of average pregnancy where you're feeling good um in fact core strength is more important than it ever was before a lot of people think oh well, I don't want to do anything that means that I'm using my core muscles um yeah. but actually that's so important and in fact so um that's something I really prioritize because my movement slowed down kind of once I hit um about the six month mark because I had a lot of issues with so your body produces a hormone called relaxin to help your body expand for your um growing baby um and it meant that basically my hips fell apart so <laughs> mm-hmm. they suddenly just just stopped um being able I couldn't do anything where one hip moved slightly forward of the other so yoga mm. was out running was out walking even was a bit out um oh, man. but um the core stuff was so important and when I actually had my postpartum physio check um the the physio was just like your core looks in really good shape she was like did you do core work and I said yeah I did I literally did it up until the day cash was born every morning I do just like five ten minutes um of kind of like core holds like you sort of go on all fours and you pull the baby in towards you and um some overhead weight stuff using my core to make sure I was really engaging the muscles and she said that that was really good obviously sometimes even you do all of that and you still have separation and everything else it's not definitely a a, you know a fix all but um but it was definitely something that I would do again um and yeah again something that people kind of said to me oh are you sure you should be doing that are uh, you sure that that's safe? But actually, it's it's mega safe and, and important actually to, to do. Yeah, yeah I, I tell never me about... did that, and I I wish mm. I'd done that because I did get that separation thing, particularly on mm. my second one, where you just what is that? Is that, oh, is that a gross <laughs> thing yeah. to ask? But tell me because no. I want to know how come that's important and what does that do? Well, you could probably explain it better than me, actually, Kate, because you're more fresh into it. So. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, so, yeah, so basically, so um, when you haven't had a baby, but actually, so it can happen before. So I actually had ab separation before I had a baby um, or before I got pregnant, um, because uh, if you if you wang yourself around too much doing too many burpees, it can happen. Um, so, yeah, um, basically, mm. your your muscles, your abs, like, you know, if you think about like, like a candle, you've got um, those like six or eight little muscles and they're all quite connected and there's a little kind of divot between them um but they are still connected there's connective tissue there whereas when you're pregnant to make space for the baby um your body kind of relaxes that connective tissue and sometimes your abs can move actually quite far apart from each other um which uh it's not uncomfortable particularly obviously it's not it's not that pleasant but um it's it's not I mean I didn't notice it happening I didn't feel anything um in that sense but um but yeah it means that afterwards the because the muscles are so far apart they you've lost a lot of strength there so a lot of your kind of big trunk um kind of core muscles um are are, um, a lot weaker and it can mean um that actually sometimes when you do certain movements um you start to get where the little divot is that should go in it sort of 
pops forward it looks gross um, <laughs> so it pops forward um and actually then it's not really supporting yet yeah, your organs and the things that are inside they shouldn't be okay so Got you. um it's yeah it's important to have even for everyday movements it's really important to have some level of like drawing your abs together and engaging them um and yeah during pregnancy and other things um they can separate slide apart and the more they go kind of the more important it is that you're going to have to rehab those to get back to uh, somewhere that's kind of safe and happy for your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I for me that I didn't have I I don't I don't remember reading any information about the importance of core strength no. at all. In fact, until you've just said it, I don't think I I wouldn't have known about that. I was told it afterwards. Yeah, this is so the thing. I was told but but by that stage, particularly after Felix, it was too little too late so I'd already so I had a gap basically between between my ribs yeah where I could actually feel you could you could sort of push your fingers in a bit more than elsewhere so that the kind of the where the muscles should be they they'd literally pulled apart as a little kind of bit in the middle um and I'd felt that was (laughs) yeah so there was definitely and I could feel that I remember being pregnant with Felix being heavily pregnant Felix and it being quite a burning sensation like you know I could really when I bent down to pick stuff up because there was nothing holding me all together yeah um and yeah to I was doing pelvic floors like you wouldn't believe yeah but but no no core strength nothing nothing so that's really interesting Mm. yeah I think I think it's something that they're they're trying to update the information on now so um yeah like I said the NHS website um was very helpful for me um, as I went through because they've actually started to to have some really good updated information kind of saying what you should be doing and what to focus on um but yeah like we said even even though the the is there there's so many differing opinions online and also a lot of kind of people who who didn't have it for their pregnancy and so say, say to you oh well no don't do that because that's yeah, don't, don't do that that's dangerous yeah. so it's 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 really hard to kind of own it <laughs> I found mm, yeah <laughs> um yeah. but yeah but I have um it's something because again I've been doing quite a lot of uh, post post pregnancy stuff um and my pregnancy yoga teacher and my postpartum yoga teacher she's really really hot on it and she um because she suffered it quite quite badly but she said that so it has never come fully back together but um it doesn't necessarily matter if it's still apart it's about rebuilding the strength so um so yeah it, it is possible to to build it back up and it doesn't mean you're going to have it forever or that you're going to feel the burning forever or anything like that so um so yeah for anyone listening <laughs> don't panic yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, <laughs> i'm fine i'm still upright um, <laughs> so do you think would it be okay to kind of move on to like well if we if we're going to be historical about it <laughs> yes moving on to kind of you know this is a fit person this is you you're a fit person and you have a baby so what's your what's your birth story what's what happened there yes so well on the on the run-up um to the birth so like I said yeah was slightly less able to move as I wanted to found that very frustrating um I started to um uh, kind of swell um <laughs> in certain areas which was not my vibe at all <laughs> mm-hmm. um it wasn't because uh, you can sometimes have that if you have something bad called preeclampsia um but it wasn't that it was just general end of pregnancy swelling um but I kept going I was still going to do some gym stuff some squats and some things like that um and I was still doing cold water swimming which was the one thing that I managed to do the whole time and I loved mm-hmm. um so on the day that uh that my son was born we went 
to the lake um, because we go every single week because in the winter you have to go um, every week to keep yourself adapted to the cold water Um, so literally uh, on on the day that I went into labour we went that that lunchtime um, oh my god I think it was about four degrees so it wasn't the coldest that it had been but it was chilly (laughs) Um, and for me that's kind of a bit of a funny point like Mm -hmm. I think that he was just done with it and he was like right coming out he was like what on earth is this get me out of here this woman keeps taking me to all of these places and it's too cold. <laughs> it's too much. She's throwing me around in the gym and then she's like making me get in the cold. Um, anyway, so yeah, so I, uh, again, this is absolutely one of those things where everyone's birth story is different and no matter how active or not active you were, your pregnancy and your birth can be can be very very different there's no guarantee that if you stay active during pregnancy that you're going to have kind of you know the ideal birth um, or anything like that but in terms of what the re- and it just kind of recommend I had one of those very sort of ideal births so I had a um you know a, a natural no medication um vaginal birth um which um it was it was quite quick and it was very intense. And actually, in hindsight, I felt very frustrated that I had been told that that was the ideal birth um, mm. <laughs> because it meant that I almost felt shanghaied into trying to continue doing that when actually mm. I really wanted some bloody pain medicine. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I wanted some help, quite frankly, at certain points um, <laughs> in the labour. So, um, yeah, that's definitely one to kind of bear in mind. Um, I know that that's what they kind of recommend, but uh, I think every woman um, has has their own preferences and stick to your preferences. Um, so, uh, yeah, but, but I think because because I had a certain level of um, kind of endurance and strength, I think that definitely helped me to deal with what was very a very fast, intense labour. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, so he popped out I say popped out um <laughs> like very slowly <laughs> pushed him out <laughs> um and he was there and yeah and then um obviously I, you've given birth Lester um you haven't probably but they're very keen on you getting up and uh, up and at them basically straight away so um within like an hour that I was trying to climb into a shower um <laughs> and finding it very stressful physically I was just like this is very stressful but um yeah. but yeah no, over the next few days it felt good um that I was able to to move um you know mm-hmm. and, and kind of move around and walk up and down stairs and I didn't have you know this kind of well my hips and stuff didn't feel so painful and things like that so, so it was quite quickly that you felt your body started repairing itself just is that the right word I don't know but you know getting back to a pre-pregnancy you yes like I I actually was astounded at how Mm. it sorted itself out like literally from yeah from from the few hours after giving birth like all the swelling went away um and Mm -hmm. yeah like I said my hips didn't hurt anymore literally like like they'd been so painful the day before and and they just weren't painful anymore yeah. obviously because your body just kickstarts this whole other thing with its hormones um mm. and 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 yeah and so you know obviously there was the fact that I had you know given birth and uh trigger warning um I had uh you know torn <clears throat> so I had stitches and things like that to be um you know kind of taking care of and, and walking um we started going out for walks quite quickly um, just because I wanted to get out of the house. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, obviously I had to take it very slowly. It definitely wasn't my um, kind of pre-pregnancy type, um, yeah. type thing. But I was still amazed. Like, you know, if you think about going undergoing like a surgery or something, um, 
you'd be off your feet for weeks or months yeah you know? um and it, it it blew my mind at how capable I felt like <laughs> afterwards again I'm talking from a place of privilege because I know that if you've had any kind of interventions or c-sections it might not feel like that so mm-hmm. um so I know that takes a bit longer but um but yeah it was it was astounding and, and I that was something I'd been really concerned about but I felt very very happy <laughs> I, I remember that one one thing that I felt like no one had ever told me and I feel like it is now my duty to always pass on to newly first pregnant people is because there are there is just seems to be a group of people that are out there that that want to turn around to that person and say oh get your sleep in now get your sleep in now and you just want to punch him in the face because sleeping is so difficult in that final trimester and I had such awful awful sleep and trying to shift your bulk from left to right or so so uncomfortable and you've got like 17 pillows in the bed to try and kind of arrange yourself mm. around and prop yourself up so it doesn't feel and it's so uncomfortable and there's indigestion and there's anyway it's all awful and the minute you give birth your sleep although it is shorter yes. right the, the the quality of that sleep oh, is fucking yeah. amazing isn't it <laughs> yeah and like it, it was just yeah just a sense of relief to be back on my own in my body like I still have it now I still have just this huge relief that um you know if I wake up late and I'm like I haven't got time for breakfast I can do that I know I'm going to be hungry but I'm not depleting any kind of small being of their yeah. energy for the day stuff like that I can I can choose to do whatever I want with my body and um there's something yeah like I said there, that was a big relief moment for me and exactly the same with sleeping you know I could sleep on my front again yes yeah. <laughs> oh I loved it um, <laughs> and I know um obviously some people have said that um so yeah so straight initially when you just had a baby your, your tummy actually is still quite large because your yeah. everything's still you know, your uterus is expanded and, and mm. obviously everything's still um there and I know a lot of people said to me oh don't don't worry about that you know obviously it takes time but it'll it'll shrink and stuff like that but actually I everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Remember being in the shower, just like, just like rubbing my tummy because it was so... It just felt, I don't know, it just felt really, really lush that like that had been where he had been housed. And then also Aww. now it was mine again and it didn't matter that it changed. It was mine again and I and I had it back. So, <laughs> oh God, I oh, think that's mate. so lovely. Yeah, that's yeah. the loveliest I, I thing ever. <laughs> it is nice, isn't it? Because I, I remember uh, someone saying to me, oh my God, don't touch your stomach for the yeah. first time you get into a bath after you've had a baby because you'll be disgusted with yourself. <gasps> oh. 
Because it has turned from when you, you know, when you've got the baby in there, it becomes like a drum, doesn't it? It's very firm. That last couple of weeks, it's like, Jesus, there is no give here. There is no give. And so you're used to feeling like a very, very hard, round bowling ball inside you. And when you give back, it does turn into marshmallow. Yeah, it's It's all all squidgy, 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 massively (laughs) soft. And so that's, but it's still the same kind of volume. So it Mm -hmm. does feel quite weird. Mm-hmm. But but to be told that I should be looking down and kind of hating myself in some way is quite weird. <laughs> That's it? awful. That's horrendous. Mm. Well, this is the thing. And, and again, with a soft tummy anyway as well, I was going to say, like, yeah. Me too. Thanks. Me too. I should always yeah. be looking down at myself and feeling disgusted. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, this is it. And I know everyone's experience is different. And it's not to say that if you've had an experience where you've you know, you looked at it and you were like, oh God, I hate that, that that's bad or anything. I think mm. every woman's got their own journey. But yeah, yeah it was, must be shocking yeah. because your body's changing back and forth so quickly. I get the, yeah. that you might it's go, dramatic, yeah. because that's not what you're <laughs> used that? to. Yeah. yeah, there is that. There is yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I think that, that, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's this, and I know I touched on this last time, but it's this telling pregnant women what we're going to think and feel, what we should think and feel. And it's it's the same postpartum as well. Like you said, like, oh, get your sleep now because you won't get any sleep later. And, um, oh, you know, this enjoy enjoy the newborn bit because it's very important that you do because it so, goes so quickly and stuff like that, which just, um, I just had that going round and round in my head the whole time and I mm. wasn't enjoying it at all. <laughs> and I felt awful about it. And if nobody had ever said that to me, then maybe I would have had less expectations and I might have felt a little bit less shit. So, yeah. So, yeah. Tell us about the ship bit then, because it wasn't plain sailing, was it? No, it was not. Um, so uh, I, well, we think this is the best, the best of the diagnosis that we've come up with. Um, I experienced something called DMER um, or DEMA, um, as they they sometimes say on American TikTok. It, it's known as DEMA, um, and it's called that's that's that means dysphoric milk ejection reflex, which is a very complicated way of basically saying that breastfeeding um just broke my brain um is the the best way to say that and it's really difficult because when you have a baby um obviously your hormones are flying around everywhere um and the the midwives kind of say that you are expected to get the baby blues so um on when you first have a baby you have this thick milk called colostrum and that lasts for a few days and then um if you if you are breastfeeding or expressing then you stimulate your actual milk to come in which is you know it looks a bit more like dairy milk you know it's 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 kind of more voluminous and lighter um and as that comes in it's common knowledge they say you might get baby blue so you might feel a bit down you might feel a bit weepy a bit sad um might feel angry and then it's supposed to go away by two weeks and if you get to two weeks in one day and you still feel rubbish then they say that you probably have postpartum depression or anxiety they refer you to a doctor um and generally they're looking to yeah kind of put your medication and get you therapy wow. Okay. So you've got this all this timeline stuff going on in your head to begin with. Um and and the awareness as well that everyone keeps saying it's normal, it's normal, it's normal for you to feel like this. This is completely mm-hmm. expected. Everyone goes through this. So what happened for me was on the day that my milk came in, like I said, my brain it I I remember I was sat on the sofa, we had um, a visitor, um, and I honestly felt myself dissociating. It was like the world shifted into um a bit like the upside down and stranger things the world looked the same like everything was where it was but everything was awful it was like Mm -hmm. that feeling you know when you like knock over a glass or something or you lock yourself out and you have that pit in your stomach just for a second you're like oh god what have I done it was like that feeling but just for hours at a time um like everything wrong was about to happen to me and it was it was just awful and um 
and at the beginning yeah like I said I thought oh gosh well this is just normal this is just my hormones so I sort of powered on through um and it just kept getting worse and worse and it would it was it was lasting all day um it would go away in the evening which was Mm. actually my only kind of saving grace was that in the evening I felt like myself um and Mm -hmm. it was like okay no this isn't normal because in the evening this is this is my normal self this is where yeah yeah, this isn't a new normal this isn't what everything's going to be like from now on this is something that's happening to me um but I kept trying to express to people what was going on and then everyone just saying oh yeah that's that's baby blues and then as we got to the two weeks one day the midwife said okay well no it must be depression so um take this pill and off you go um the thing of it was is that it did kind of ebb and flow so um it wouldn't be necessarily for the whole day but it would be relatively often during the day um and as well it started to have physical physical effects on me so I wouldn't be able to eat food when I was experiencing it so I'd try and eat and I would just bring it straight back up um Mm. I couldn't drink anything I'd try and drink water and it would turn it tasted like acid in my mouth I'd have to spit it out um I couldn't sleep my brain literally it was just like, what's the point in sleeping where you're going to die? Like, I think my brain thought that I was going to die. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, in the hindsight of this conversation is now we now know what was going on is um, this DMER is a thing where you haven't got enough dopamine in your brain. Um, and normally when you breastfeed, you get oxytocin. But for some people, which is another feel good, so both of these are feel good, happy hormones. For some people, the balance just doesn't, it doesn't work. You don't get enough oxytocin, you don't have enough dopamine. And that's what they think happened to me. So basically, any time that my boobs were making milk and letting it down, um, yeah, I just had no happy at all in my brain. (laughs) So, which is why obviously it felt, my brain felt like it did. Um, So, so this went on and on, um, yeah, for, for a few weeks. Um, And at this point I was expressing because we hadn't been able to resolve a latch issue that, um, that my son had. Um, And I hadn't been able to leave the house to go and get a consultant to help me with it because I was so unwell. Um, Mm -hmm. I was unable at this point to look after myself um to look after my baby anything we had to have family come and stay um to to try and keep keep us all going um mm-hmm. it was it was genuinely just like yeah very really traumatic and like I said everyone yeah. kept saying it was normal and I was like how are women getting through this how are they how are they surviving because I don't yeah. <laughs> anyway um <laughs> I could ramble about it all day but um but yeah uh we made a decision and again I, I do want to talk about this because I think it's really important mm. um uh, we made a decision that I would stop trying to express milk um, and move to formula. Um, I felt horrendous about it because, you know, as you hear from everyone, mm. rest is best and this, that and the other. And although I'd been very open to the idea of maybe supplementing with formula, I think I still had a lot of pressure in my head um, about yeah. about breastfeeding. Um, that decision, Kate, quickly, was that because mm. at this point in the experience, were you aware of DMER and starting to wonder whether that was what it was or was it just a I am incapable of doing this it was a necessity to stop yeah it was it was an absolute it was it was a necessity to stop at this point we okay. still had no idea that there was a connection there we just okay. oh. assumed as they told us that I was depressed and we were waiting for the medication to kick in um yeah so had you started take you had started taking antidepressants yes. that they'd given you Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so what happened was my so my dad um, and my stepmom came to stay to look after us. Um, and on that day, I got my antidepressants from the from the chemist because I so we could actually go and get it. Um, and so I started taking them. Then mm. they normally take it says two weeks to start yeah. to have yeah. any kind of effect. 
and then up to six weeks to have a proper effect. So I knew it wasn't going to be a quick fix anytime soon, but I was at least happy to have started. And also on that day, my dad very sensibly said, look, you're barely making any milk. Um, you're not sleeping because obviously when you're expressing, you have to be up every single three hours to do yeah. the expressing. And then you also still have to feed, um, <laughs> you know, so so there's a lot, it's a lot of time to it is expressing. So um, yeah, he said, take a break, just stop it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, which is actually probably the clarity that I needed um, at the time (laughs) Um, so so yeah so we decided that I would just take a break for now we I plan to come back um, because you can stimulate it again after you've taken a break Um, so uh, and within three days uh, the whole thing stopped so I was back my normal self in my brain most of the day like whoa which is wild that very very quickly um because let's talk specifically more about about DMER itself but I'm interested in the recovery period just for Mm. in general when you're experiencing I think that dissociative thing where you're Mm. very very deeply depressed or yeah you've got a chemical imbalance or you are you have a disorder an anxiety disorder or something is um is terrifying because did you did you during that recovery process I'm presuming it wasn't entirely smooth. And even if you woke up and went, hooray, I'm Kate again, this is such a relief. There were still moments where you thought, where you felt a little bit different and and you might have thought, oh my God, is it coming back? Yeah. What was that like and how did you get through that bit? Yeah, so like you said, exactly that. Um, obviously, I woke up and I felt myself, but I then literally, yeah, a couple of days later started to have panic attacks um, about it coming back because yeah. we hadn't we still hadn't sussed at that point that there was the tie-in again I'd started to have suspicions because obviously I knew suddenly I wasn't making as much milk and suddenly I felt a lot better um mm-hmm. but uh yeah we had no idea that there was a causal um link so I yeah started to have pretty regular panic attacks about it coming back especially when I was left on oh my God. own with the baby um or if John was asleep even because uh, I was on my own um mm. I was I was worried um but yeah it was not long after that that I started to exercise um, <laughs> as a way of dealing with the panic um, because again I knew that probably my antidepressants would help with the panic attacks like once they kicked in so I knew I just needed to get through um, yeah and, and obviously I had some great support from my friends and my family but uh, yeah um, so anytime I started to feel panicky um, I would do a little YouTube workout um, <laughs> uh, some of, in fact some of the ones I did were the ones the one that you talk about on the podcast quite a lot oh MK fit forever yeah. helping us through panic attacks indeed <laughs> well we we just need all that help don't we um so yeah um because I because I did read online that that was a good way to help yourself deal with it because your body expresses the panic in a physical way rather than yeah I still do exactly the same thing mate I find that it's the yeah one of the only ways to feel it's a funny double-edged sword isn't it because sometimes it makes you think your your subconscious brain is going oh my god it's coming back exercising feels very very similar like to what I you know when your heart rate is is rising and you're yeah a little bit oxygen starved or whatever that it's like I'm going back I'm it's happening again but I think you're completely right there's something about pushing through and the comfort that your brain gets from the fact that you're exercising and it's like no 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 this is what happens when I do a tough class when I when I am working myself hard that then you can kind of yeah like wring yourself out of all of that stuff in a way and come out the other other end and feel like that was normal and fine 
Yeah, exactly. After it, once I'd done it, it, mm. it calmed me down significantly to a point where I felt like I can then carry on with a bit more of my day until, mm-hmm. until the next time. <laughs> yeah. So, so when did you start making the connection then? When did you start figuring it all out? So it was actually, I, uh, it's a complicated story, but I ended up changing doctors in the middle of all this. So the doctor that I'd gone to originally who gave me the antidepressants, who was amazing, by the way, she was genuinely brilliant. Um, mm. And she gave me, she was, yeah happy to work with me and give me whatever I needed and advise me on the best thing if I wanted to still be breastfeeding go on medication but yeah I changed doctors because we'd moved um a little while ago and we had to make a change and the new doctor um was an incredibly logical man and he sat down and he just said I don't really like your diagnosis of anti uh, of depression he was like it doesn't sound like depression to me because depression doesn't just get better overnight (laughs) um Mm. it was like normally with postnatal depression you take you know six months to a year to fully work through Mm -hmm. it and the medication to work and you have therapy he was like so this is very strange to me so um it's interesting because DMER isn't yet a an official diagnosis that they offer um and and not all GPs kind of know about it or are trained in it and and same with midwives and everything else but um but yeah he he had he was very good at kind of looking stuff up and he sort of said to me, do you, do you think that that could be what it is? Does that ring true with your symptoms? Um, and it definitely did. Um, some people apparently only have it just at the time when they're breastfeeding, whereas other people have it as you're making milk or through the day and all this, everything else. Um, but um, but yeah, so that was, and that was not until, I think that was when I was about eight weeks postpartum. So all of this stuff happened within, I think I was done with breastfeeding by about three weeks postpartum. So not until weeks, weeks later. Um, yeah did it did it all kind of actually come through um and make oh sense oh god <laughs> yeah oh my god so yeah it was a lot um yeah intense not, yeah not to say there weren't moments of joy because there were as well um obviously you don't want to cast a huge black cloud over it um there was especially like I said in the evenings when I felt like myself um and and, and after you know it kind of went away there were lots of lovely amazing joyful moments with, with my baby and everything else but um yeah it was definitely a lot more challenging than I expected it to be um mm. and I like to talk about yeah. it because like I said so many people told me that was just normal and actually what I experienced very much wasn't normal um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and it does mm-hmm. it does make you want to go and karate kick all the bastards on bloody well everywhere that say enjoy the newborn yes, time where exactly you just go that it's a fucking shocker <laughs> even if you don't have no I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah i know some people that take to it and love every moment and some people who are like when will we be on to the next stage mm, and i think yeah. both all are normal um <laughs> yes yeah. exactly exactly yeah. oh okay bloody um, hell yeah what a yeah. marathon <laughs> what a marathon are there yeah. are there still things that so I presume then that has meant that breastfeeding and uh, and is a no-no yes uh, <laughs> fully out um never went back um I tried once to go back before I made the connection and it yeah. sent me back into the pit for a few hours so I was like right that's, that's Whoa. That, yeah. okay so <laughs> that was maybe starting to kind of make a bit of a connection did you yeah. feel yeah yeah, yeah. It started to yeah yeah. <laughs> and have there, has there been anything else I suppose since you've sort of ended up out of the woods a bit and more on yeah feeling like yourself again what's that journey been like since like are there things that you still feel that you having to do has I mean of course your life has changed practically in many a way <laughs> yeah. but mentally do you feel like there are things that you still are having to do that are a bit different to before yes. you had this diagnosis mm. 
yeah definitely so um yeah I had a bit of a, a golden period um around kind of months three and four where to be honest with at that point cash was um uh yeah kind of um, having a lot of reflux and stuff so um we, we were busy we were busy wiping up mm. <laughs> baby oh, sick and yeah. <laughs> yeah. um but uh but yeah as as we started to get kind of to around uh the sort of five six month mark um my mental health started to suffer a little bit um and uh to be be completely honest (laughs) I will be very honest on this it's because we had a bit of a scare and I thought I was pregnant again for two weeks (laughs) Ah. (laughs) which was um it was it was not it was a real it was it was uh, no, there was no reason to think that we hadn't had any kind of accidents or anything like that um but my cycle went a little bit haywire which is probably to be expected um mm-hmm. considering everything that's going on um but it threw me off and it really I was convinced um because I had interestingly some pregnancy symptoms which I think were probably psychosymptomatic um yeah <laughs> so um crazy how and... bodies work like that isn't it it is wild right. that when that mentally it can affect things physiologically so much yeah and also interestingly at the same time my boobs started to make milk again on their own (laughs) which um I I still don't really know why it's happening apparently hormonally it can take a very long time for things to get back to normal and that's probably why my then my period went a bit haywire um so I wasn't having obviously nearly as many letdowns or anything because I wasn't stimulating them at all um but Mm. uh but yeah I was having these little moments of like that jolting feeling as I was Mm. having the kind of the milk um, so that because that's really interesting isn't it because there's there's the whole so whole like when you're when you're breastfeeding mm. generally speaking when you're breastfeeding you don't have a period yes. so if you if you breastfeed for 18 months after having a baby you don't really get a period until after you've stopped ah, okay so, you can't do both so it's you can't you do don't t- think the body can do really. I mean, I think that's that's yeah, a very average yeah. rule, and obviously okay. people are different. And if and some people do, some people definitely don't. I think yeah. it depends. Yeah, but it makes sense that if your milk was coming in again, that your periods would then go. No, can't do that as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> only yeah. leaking from one orifice at one time, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically, yeah, <laughs> only that were true. one time bodily fluid. Um, <laughs> So, oh. so all of this basically then sent me into quite a scary place where I was just like, oh my God, what if I'm about to go through this again right now? You know, because you know, I do actually, despite all of this, I am keen to have to have more children, but um, mm. but not not now. Um mm. <laughs> and uh so yeah, so basically uh, off of the back of all of that, a lot of conversations with my um husband um and with my friends, um, I am now doing um a particular type of therapy that's kind of recommended for post-traumatic stress disorder. Amazing. Essentially, that's kind of what they we think is going on that that now obviously this thing was hugely traumatic and it, it's really got in my head um that that yeah that that feeling of being completely incapable of looking after myself and a baby um it is causing quite a lot of trauma um so uh mm. so yeah so now I'm doing some um some therapy it's um it's the one where you do tapping and stuff like that um oh, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting I've never done it before so I'm very interested we've been just getting into it now um to see to see the effects but I've heard some really good things um to try and process this so that hopefully if I do decide to go down the route again I will feel more positive about it and less traumatized and and it's actually had a bit of an effect as well on on being ill so I I haven't been ill since since I had the baby up, up until um and it was again all around this same time which was a bit of a uh, <laughs> can I say can I say clusterfuck on the podcast oh totally please, <laughs> a bit of a clusterfuck of stuff all at yeah, once yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um I got a really really bad cold um and again that sent me into a, a few panic attacks because I was like 
oh my god I have a cold I can't look after my baby oh my god it's just the same as before and it all kind of happened so um yes essentially yeah um in terms of my actual parenting um no I, I'm I'm just uh, you know kind of as 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 one would expect and um, with the baby <laughs> seven months old but um but yeah in terms of uh my mental state yeah. it's been a long and ongoing process that I'm I'm still really in the middle of but hopefully yeah. we'll have a positive ending <laughs> oh mate I'm proud of you I I really <sighs> yeah, not at all right. to do uh, to to draw comparisons where it's a different thing no, but, but there's quite there's a lot of stuff that I really feel and relate to like I I totally feel you with the that um I've been going through a similar therapy at the moment as well yeah. which has been for for trauma and trying to get to the bottom of it like I've been drawing on parts of my life that I know objectively were not very pleasant and mm. but I really think that the trauma comes from the fact that I started getting panic disorder and it yeah. was terrifying yeah. because I couldn't yeah. look, similarly I couldn't look after myself I had to go and move in with my parents I couldn't work I couldn't and it was all and that is more terrifying to me than any kind of other thing that a therapist had previously pointed to as being like well this was a horrible thing and this was a yeah it's like no that mm. was fine the, the horrible thing was when I went mad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was like, so I totally, I totally get you. And I really think that that's where a lot of, um, a lot of my um, anxiety comes from now is, is a feeling that it's returning and physical illness is a, is a big trigger for me as well. Yeah. 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 Well, this is the thing. And I think it's very easy to sort of, because as soon as, as soon as I felt better, I was like, oh, actually I'm fine. But I, n- I'm pleased and same for you I'm pleased that we're Mm. taking this and addressing it because actually you don't want to live your whole life in fear of being sick (laughs) you know or or having a baby or whatever it might be that's triggered it you don't want to actually have that because even though you you know it's easy to distract isn't it to be like oh actually I'm feeling fine I'm having a good time it's still there somewhere (laughs) um kind of yeah creeping in on you and, and now it's especially if I go out and I hear someone like cough behind me I'm like oh god like yeah <laughs> I yeah. don't want to get ill um, and again especially I, I have a baby and who's going to get a nursery so I'm going to get sick a lot <laughs> yeah yeah you can start you know on uh Selling Sunset um did you watch the most recent series where the, the, one of the characters I think we talked about this on the pod for some reason actually Esther I was just <laughs> blown away by the fact that this woman gets IV um <gasps> Oh, uh, vitamin or vitamins something. Vitamins. Yes. Every beginning of every new term. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I might start doing that. <laughs> yeah. That's very European as well. I remember in Italy, they're really hot on kind of chucking loads of vitamins up their arms. It's really strange. <laughs> yeah. Totally but thought you were going to say, say strange, something else then. Different. Different. Um, but in these in these kind of post COVID times, do you know what I mean? Where oh we, yeah. I think I I, I feel that, that the new normal will be injecting ourselves with vitamin C and kind of. I uh, do. Yeah. I take it so yeah. much more seriously now than I ever did before. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Esther's so been look, sent scoops to take samples of. I have poo samples. I'm not doing it. I refuse. Absolutely refuse. Oh my god! Could you take yeah. some, like something from like a doggy poo or something? Oh yeah, good <laughs> oh idea. Oh my god, that would uh, the phone call I would get as a result of that. Yeah. So, like, uh, uh, great yeah. health. Just interested as to why your diet mainly consists of bonios. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hall, I've got some big news. Oh yeah. You know we do a very brilliant actual magazine as well as this podcast yeah i i'm aware and sometimes involved (laughs) well 
you can get your hands, if you don't have it already, on your very first copy of Women's Running for just 99p because you're our pod squad. 99p? That's actually amazing. That's like not that much more than a Freddo. <laughs> No, I don't even know if Freddo's cost more than 99 yeah, they might do, go with it. They might do, yeah. <laughs> so all you need to do is go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter podcast when it asks you for a promotion code and you'll get a copy for 99p. Isn't that lovely? That sounds epic to me. Okay, back, back in, the, in room. the room. Yes. How lovely. That was lovely wasn't it she is so lovely isn't she and so knowledgeable I just I love the fact that she's been through this kind of enormous life-changing experience but it feels like she's on a bit of a mission to kind of explain what we can all do which I think is just really lovely I just I wish I had someone like her around when I had my babies yeah I'm glad we live in a world where we all talk a bit more you know I was thinking about this the other day when I was looking not that it's all about me but kind of is but I was looking at um it was the entry requirements for the New York Marathon. And I think mm-hmm. it was that one, or it might have been another race, but it was a, definitely an American race where they, where um, as I was scrolling through a list of something that I had to tick, um, there were one subheading was lactation area. Isn't that weird? So I was like, do they mean the nipple? And it actually meant, you know, somewhere where you could sit down and breastfeed. Yeah, I immediately thought as well of like anywhere that might be leaking milk at that time on your body. (laughs) I know, look out for your lactation area or cover up your lactation area or, you know, I don't know. But it was actually basically, you know, a, a room. But instead of calling it breastfeeding room, it's called lactation isn't that strange that's really strange because breastfeeding is what lactation is something that is happening outside of your control Mm. if that makes sense like breastfeeding is the action you're choosing to do with your lactation well yes and but then also actually if I think about it because I I thought Americans have got over all of this kind of queasiness with kind of body parts and stuff Mm. because I remember reading somewhere and I know this was a bit of a joke but I read somewhere that uh, you know, that the in in kind of big parts of the US that and actually US listeners, tell me if this is true. In big parts of the US that a cockroach is called mostly just a roach because generally speaking they don't want to use the word cock. Cock. Right? Really? Yeah. No, well, Cock's that was, one of my that was favorite one. words. It's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's up there. It's up there. Um so yeah and I do and I think there's another example of um not wanting to mention a body part in something that's but it, I did wonder if kind of not saying breastfeeding which is I'm sure is the global term for what it is not using that but actually using this kind of scientific you know do, Yeah that's interesting. Yeah they please all, let yeah. us know. It's I'm just, I'm very intrigued by that. I wonder if it's anywhere near the sort of urination area or the yeah. defecation area. it's It's just piss shit and tits isn't it (laughs) yeah (laughs) stuff that comes out anyway um (laughs) welcome back already Uh, on our main themes here let's talk (laughs) all about who this bloke that i keep wanting to call clive but he's actually called neil (laughs) neil um so right okay let's go back to my injury so i have got an injury which i am no it's a niggle which i am really terrified of getting diagnosed because I'm now on sort of week five of a week 16 training plan for a marathon. Um, yeah. And it's also something I've been ignoring. 
which is you should never do. And so what I've noticed over the last kind of six, seven months, um, probably in the run up to the last one, probably before then as well, that after long runs, long ploddy post kind of 10 mile type runs, um, that I would have a, what felt like a kind of weakness in one of my knees and it would feel weird to walk on when I was walking on it and, and the feeling would go mm. after about a day. Okay. And it was fine to run on. I'd never feel it when I was running. It was only after I stopped running. That yeah, we I talked this about kind of this, didn't we? I remember mm. because I had a funny little knee thing and you said it sounded okay. Yeah. So that's what I've got. Um, but it has got progressively worse and definitely is much worse when I do faster running on it. Um, and occasionally feels worse after I do a deep squat with it because I've been doing some, um, uh, strength exercises as well. Yeah. And I'm now beginning to have a bit of pain ache around the back of it. And I think it's mingling as these things do, because it kind of adjusts the way that you run and the way that you walk. I think it's now mingling in with some other bits and pieces. So I think I've got a bit of sciatica, um, coming down the back of my uh what is sciatica it's one of those things you hear people say all the time like angina or whatever but I never know what it is yeah I'm I I can't clarify angina for you apart from knowing that it's to do with heart but um yeah I, I feel the same about that so sciatica um is mostly and and I know that a health expert might want to write in and tell me that I'm completely wrong here it's mostly referred pain so it's usually to do with your back I think. And if your back has got some twingy grumbles and stuff, what it might then do is weirdly shoot out kind of weird nervy things down to other parts of your body. So I can sometimes feel sciatic pain in my bum. That's quite common. It's always like when I've, when I've had an actual proper disc grumble, um, the worst, the sciatica feels that the worst, the, hang on a minute. Let me get the words back into my mouth and back out again. The worst <laughs> is the further down my leg it goes, right? So um, okay, if you can feel you. if you can feel sciatic pain in your foot, then that is a really bad situation to be in. Um, but and it's quite oh, no, difficult, really. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that because it's traveling all the way down from your back, you see. So the further down your leg it goes, the the worst the sciatic pain and the worst the injury probably is uh, in your back. But it's very difficult to distinguish sciatic pain from actual pain because it's... So you don't basically, you're at a bit of a crossroads of, is this my back or is this my knee? Yes. Okay. Precisely. Which means it could be sciatic pain. It could be ITB potentially. Yeah. I think I've probably got runner's knee and I think I've set off a chain of awful other things as well. Okay. It feels to me like I need to wear a knee brace at the moment. Um, I've actually got some knee anyway, braces if you want one I might have to get one yeah can you bring one this afternoon please when we yes I'll see if I can find them it was a, a, a elastoplast randomly sent some that would be really good and then yeah. um, but I do please be really kind to me because I do actually have a physio appointment tomorrow okay I'll be kind to you well I mean like you know just be like you're amazing, Esther. Well done. For yeah, you're amazing, Esther. And, and, yeah. and admitting that there's something wrong with you, even though the physio might turn around to me and say, you need to not run for the next four months. What if that happens? If that happens, then we ask sports tours if we can still go to New York because I, there's a few museums <laughs> that I really want to go to. <laughs> 
for all of that classic running content. We yeah. <laughs> see Holly and oh. Esther as they go around the Museum of Modern Art. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, look at that. <laughs> I know you're all gagging for it. <laughs> That's some content you're after. Well done. You're doing all the right things and you're being brave. I also actually, I super quickly wanted to say on that front. Yeah. I know that we, I don't want people to think that we're being snakes for uh, for the fact that we're going, um, that you're doing the New York Marathon and that we're going on this trip. Uh, because I know we've said a lot that we are going to have a conversation about doing another thing like we did Paris. And I just want to let you all know that that's not something that we're doing instead or anything that you're not no. invited on. We're going to, we're, we are having conversations about all of that stuff at the moment. But anyway. We're having very, very exciting conversations yeah. about yeah, yeah. something. In fact, I, I did, I, I sort of mentioned it on Patreon, I think. Um, I didn't mention what it was because I'm not mm-hmm. allowed, but I did say that there is, there is something. So just hold your horses. There is something. We are talking about it. Um, it will be fun. Yeah. It will be next year. So yeah. there you go. Um, but yeah, but so, let us know how it, how it goes. Um, and I will. I'm sure it will be, I mean, if you're finding that it, I don't know if this, I'm not actually going to say this because I'm not a physio. I was going to be like, if it's been <laughs> fine for the last little while, it'd probably be fine. <laughs> I know. I really hope so. My, in my head, I just think if I'm not hobbling. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't, it's not affecting. Run. Yeah. Right. Nothing's yeah. falling off. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and 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 can you also be kind to me while I do a massive like handbrake turn in terms of the conversation? Only because yes. there's something I'm desperate to tell you about. I so thought you were going to say, well, well, I'm so sorry, but I totally thought you were going to say, well, I do a massive fart then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but either could so easily be either true. Either could suddenly happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do a handbrake turn. I'm going to do one in a minute too, because okay. we've got some letters. Oh, well, in which case, let's, we, I think we might be traveling in the same sort of direction. Ooh, it's okay. only because, right? So um, just before we leapt on this, I went on to Discord, which you can join once you are a member of our Patreon gang. Um, and it's just a, a lovely, lovely chat room. And people are so nice and supportive on there. It's a really, really nice thing to kind mm. of just hover in, even if occasionally I'm just sort of dropping the odd like and stuff like that but everyone seems to be fun and happy and everything anyway so on there in the pod chat section there was a couple of people and they were talking about some of the things that we were talking about in our last couple of episodes and one of the things that we talked about I don't know if you remember this was the um, parakeets in Hyde Park do you remember oh yeah 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 I saw right. a couple over the weekend and I was in London I I mean all of this is just blowing my mind so much. Bearing in mind, I spent 19 formative years in London and know, had this is, no clue about this. is what blows this. my mind, is that you didn't know that <laughs> there were parakeets all, all, all over the place all the time knocking about. All over the place. You can even see like a parakeet map of where the nesting pairs are. Really? And absolutely bazillions of them over London and South East, right? Yeah. My sister so, was telling me over the weekend that they're starting to become a bit of a of a problem in terms of pest. like yeah. yeah. In terms of uh the natural order of things or whatever. I don't know. I'm not David Attenborough. I but... have no idea. maybe it's because like when you're growing up and you're a child, you kind of expect there to be kind of bright coloured birds in the trees because that's what you see in storybooks. So maybe yeah. I was walking around just going, Well, yes, and where are the parrots? Just yeah. And you know <laughs> I haven't noticed any giraffes around here. Where, yeah, where is my neighbourhood alligator? Don't understand. <laughs> um but there was a, so a lovely um discorder. Um she said 
and this again okay mind sort of blown like this like poof and then suddenly it just went poof because turns out she's from Sydenham so this oh, is yes. my this neck is of the woods this is norm it is <laughs> my neck those words that's it that's where I'm from <laughs> so um there was a message from her fellow Sydenham resident right and she says there are loads loads her word of parakeets in her local park in Sydenham and so and so there were apparently there were, loads. Well, I was, but, there, and, I and, think, but then she says, no, mm-hmm. but listen to this. She says, apparently there, there was a now debunked story that the fault of the number of parakeets there are in London from Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> but it is debunked. That's debunked. Oh, that yeah. would have been a great story. That would have been amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. I was going to say though, to make you feel less like you might be living in the matrix right now, uh, that I, I do think that there are, there are a lot more apparently. I think they've really, a lot more parakeets, like they've really kicked off. They've started being mad shaggers over the last few years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, someone has to be, don't they? So, yeah, I know. The good for the parakeets. Are, yeah, Randy, for the parakeets. Randy parakeets. We can all learn something <laughs> from the parakeets. Uh, so, shall I read you? I, I'm, 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 I'm pleased that that has been confirmed, and that yes. neither of us are going mental. Yes, me too. Well, mm. maybe. Do you feel like you're going a bit more mental than before? Maybe a little. <laughs> I might. I am beginning to dive into a conspiracy theorist's world of yes, people. Jimi Hendrix brought the parakeets. telling us about parakeets, and yeah, I, think, mm, I don't. I don't know if they actually exist, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, what's your? <laughs> uh, well, shall I do some letters? Uh, maybe we mm. should chat about the fact that. Um, I'm so sorry if I've missed lots of your letters at the moment. We've actually had loads and it's been so lovely. Um, rest assured, we usually get through them all um, eventually. Uh, when we have a few very dull episodes where we don't talk about anything interesting at all, then <laughs> catch up with a few a few that we haven't read yet. Um, but I was just going to read one about um, coverage of, of... So this is from the episode a little while back where we talked about um, media coverage of sport. I believe this was all in one episode where we talked about general media coverage and then also me talking about people faking F1 and stuff. And yeah, I think yeah. we talked about that all in the same one. So this yeah. is off the back of that episode. If you haven't listened, <laughs> do go and listen. about those things, yeah. Uh, this one was from Jenna. So she said, just wanted to get in touch regarding your recent chat about the lack of coverage of amazing female running achievements as it really got me thinking about how important it is. Made me realise that seeing coverage can actually impact much more widely than feeling represented. Let me explain what this meant for me. I've always loved trail running and fell running and would usually be working towards some epic route in the mountains. And I once thought if I was ever to become a mum that I'd have to give up the joy of adventure and running, which felt really difficult. And I've always wanted to have children too. It wasn't until I read about Jasmine Mm. Paris winning the spine race in 2019 that I actually thought it was possible to be a trail runner and a mum. I think it's all about the visibility of role models. It's completely true, isn't it? It's completely true, but that's actually a real shame because that story went completely rightly so went mental but the spine race had been around for a long time prior to that and yeah 
Jasmine Paris had been running stuff for a long time before mm-hmm. then. And both pregnant and postnatal women had run races before then. And it, 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 that was only one story. What if someone didn't see that? What if someone, you know, it's, she's right you know it we need more visibility more kind of stories more kind of media coverage so that more women feel able to do things that they see other people doing she's absolutely right yeah that's, 100%. I mean, that's, that's a great result it's a great result and she said in the end um I think it's about the visibility of role models. Now, I've always had an exceptional role model, exceptional role model for motherhood in my own mum, but she's never been a runner or particularly sporty. I've now discovered lots of other inspirational women like Jasmine Paris, notably Sophie Power, who we love, uh, Emily Forsberg mm-hmm. and Kerry Wallace. But the fact is that I had to seek out knowledge of these women, exactly what you just said, Esther, basically. Um, news of their achievements yeah. does not routinely appear on my BBC News app, which I think is a huge problem, especially as this kind of underrepresentation could stand in the way of some women starting a family, as it nearly did for me. I will forever be thankful to the writer and publisher of that Jasmine Paris article for the part it played in the arrival of our little boy, Benjamin. He's just turned one years Aww. old, and I'm really proud to say that I wrote this email in my head on a training run for the Ring of Ring of Steel Sky Race. The September. Oh, Christ, that sounds awful. Yeah, I okay. am a mummy <laughs> and I still do what I love. So thank you for talking about this on your podcast. It's incredibly important. Uh, there we go. I just thought <gasps> a, a, a real life example of exactly what we were talking about. Somebody who may not have chosen to go down a particular path in their life if they hadn't seen a role model um, do exactly that and know that it is possible and something that they could do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why? Why would you? I mean, maybe maybe it's just you're less likely to be googling kind of new mothers and incredible feats of endurance and more likely to be kind of slapped in the face by a news story about Jasmine Paris having finished that with a a, a very young baby that she still needed to kind of lactate for um mm-hmm. you know halfway through <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> just to refer back to she needed to visit the lactation um, station <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's it's a bit like um it's a bit like all that stuff that Sophie Power has been campaigning for with she races and stuff like that. It's like, you know, if you're if you don't see these things, you don't feel that they're going to be for you. You know, you're not going to stand on start lines. You're not going to no. You know, you they're just yeah. They, we do need to have so much more media. I and mean, also, apart from anything else, I find it really interesting, and I want to read about it. And, yeah. and at the moment, when it's when it's reading about all these things, we go we go to womensrunning.co.uk, um, an we amazing do. source of all things women and running. Um, and we might go to some other news outlets, but they're usually specialist. They're yeah. never they're never. It's not. Yeah. It's not. You know, my favourite media outlet. No, for sure. And actually, segueing well off this, I suppose one mm. of the things that we ha- that we did complain about a little bit in that same sentence was the fact that um, other sports that we've considered maybe a little dull Mm -hmm. might get that mainstream media coverage. You know, it's not just that there's not maybe an appetite for it. It does feel like there is a lack of representation because we do have people, my father, for example, watch four hours of snooker. Um, I mean, but that being said, we've Mm -hmm. had another email from a bloke Shout out to the blokes. Uh-huh. We need a Dave to do a jingle for shout out to the blokes. <laughs> um, 
But uh, this is from Dave. Um, he says, my girlfriend loves your podcast. She's about to run her first marathon next month. And she mentioned something about darts from one of your recent <laughs> podcasts, which I knew, I know heard, which I, I'm sorry, I'm terrible at reading out the emails. I'm, I'm just <laughs> awful, which I, I'm guessing this meant to say, which I overheard and laughed quite a bit at. Darts is such a great sport and activity. Big adrenaline rushes when you play yourself and you win a tough match. Who'd or do 10 darts to win a leg, which this all means nothing to me, Dave, but nothing, I love to nothing. hear it still. Yeah, and watching right. it is great. <laughs> With one pint, five pints or zero, if you have only seen it on TV, then I can sort of understand it as you really need to be a fan to be involved more. But darts live in an arena is close to being the best sport I've seen live. I, I wonder I what think, he's comparing that to. <laughs> I think we need to start getting into darts. This made me really want to get into darts. Uh, pick up a set of darts in a pub one day, and if you get close to 180, 180, you'll feel that rush and be hooked for life. Great podcast, and my girlfriend talks about it all the time. Keep up the good work. Dave, a quite okay darts player, and the other half to a fantastic runner. Oh, bless Dave. Very Dave, sweet. Dave, Dave, Dave. <laughs> And yet untrue because I've played darts in a pub. Who hasn't played darts in a pub? And I'm, I am not, I'm firmly not hooked yeah. on darts I've, as a I've game. I've done virtual darts and that's a good laugh. Have you done that? Oh, is <laughs> we should go and do that together. There's a play, there's a few places in Bath. <laughs> Sounds dangerous. We'll or? go me, you, Doug and Dave. Um, okay. And of course, you know. <laughs> this Dave as well, if he fancies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bring Dave along. <laughs> Maybe he can show us how it's done. But I do like playing virtual darts when there's like a game involved. Like you can mm-hmm. do things where um, there's a, there's a game called Killer at the local dart virtual darts place that we have, where it's like uh, so the board lights up basically for anyone who's never played, and there's like stuff on it. So it's not just a mm. darts board. It's like uh, you're throwing it at something, and okay. if you play Killer, then you have to throw it in a certain place enough times that you build yourself up to be able to be an assassin and then you can start taking out the other people on your team it's great fun <laughs> that one's really good maybe we'll get into it and maybe i'll try watching some darts the only darts player i'm aware of is phil the power taylor because i used to think that that was an iconic name and i used to sometimes refer to myself as holly the power uh-huh. taylor so and the only darts player I know, I think, is Eric Bristow, who is going to be 30 years previous to your Never heard of even him. existing. No, of course you haven't. But there used to be, are you aware of the darts playing game show that used to be on TV? Bullseye. Bullseye. Yes. I am actually quite aware of Bullseye. That for some reason is like really, really etched in my memory. Oh and, my God. And they used so to, you, it, what did they say? It was like, here's what you could have won. And then yes. they would spin it round and there'd be a speedboat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was always a speedboat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking, I really hope when I go on there, because it was a when and not an if, uh, that they don't give me a speedboat because it's quite difficult to moor one of those in Sydenham High Street, you know, that sort of yes. thing. So, I mean, same here, can't really get one of them up and down the canals. No, but I re- I loved that. And mostly because, not I, I mean, I, I did get into the darts a little bit, but I loved it because the kind of... It, the way you built up your speedboat was by winning actual cash and he would give you what was his name bowen jim jim bowen he oh, would give you your I you cash Lawrence Llewellyn. No, sorry <laughs> um, maybe related they seem quite similar um and he would he would give the people that won a consolation prize or whatever he would give them their cash fanned out in a glass tank oh yeah 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 oh 
how it come like I watched more riches it? Did than it? I'd... Did what? it run for a really long time, or is this another one of those things that my dad would be like, "Oh, it's a brand new episode of Bullseye," and it was actually twenty five <laughs> years old. <laughs> Like he used to do like with we Mr. Did ben. With the clangers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hang on a minute. Um, I, I am. I am just searching my little computer here to see what I can find. Do you mean your um, phone? By the way, when you say yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. I your do, little yeah. computer there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it ran. Uh, f- oh my god! Yeah, it went. <gasps> no, fuck off! It started in eighty-one mm-hmm. and went on to two thousand and six. So I would have watched 2006. it. Brand new episodes. They they did change the host, which they would have had to because he's probably Jim is popped his clogs, right? Gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. It's long just... gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, through to the end of its original run in 1995. So they 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 brought it back out again. A stand-up comedian, really? Was he that funny? He looks ter- absolutely terrifying now. Really, I oh kind of get the vibe of yeah. him. Have you seen that Mitchell and Webb sketch where they're snooker commentators and they <laughs> are just like chain smoking and, and drinking pints and they're absolutely out of their minds and they look so unwell? Um, that's kind of what I imagine him as. He do, he, yeah, looking at it, he doesn't look like a well man. And I think no. that's in his active years. Um, anyway, okay. That's, that's well, God bless him arts. if fun he's arts. listening. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm but sure we, he loves this podcast. I'm sure he's big into it. Um but <laughs> thank you for writing in all of you. It's always lovely and changing our minds about things, giving us new things to go and do and think about, reaffirming our beliefs or it suddenly turning us into avid darts watchers. <laughs> yeah, we love it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Come and join us on Patreon. You can get a ton of extra Pod Squad benefits from just £2 a month, including newsletters, live chats, and you can join our Pod Squad chat room too. Go to Patreon, that's P A T R E O N.com forward slash women's running to find out more. This podcast was recorded over Zencaster. The producer and composer was David Newman. Please hit like and subscribe. That way, you won't miss the next episode. Do please email us at wrpodcast at anthem.co.uk with any questions or running stories, as we would love to include them in a future podcast. Happy running. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.